This is the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game. Rule number one is you have to believe in yourself. You're the only one who doesn't think you belong in this appointment. The prospect has already validated your existence by scheduling time with you. Get it through your head you belong here. Go in there, crush it, and close the deal. A place where sales professionals can come to learn from other sales professionals and thought leaders that have mastered their craft. The difference between a good salesperson and a best-in-class salesperson is only two minutes. By spending an extra two minutes on what you might think is a mundane task in the sales game, you separate yourselves from the pack, you grow your book of business, you close more deals, and you retain your accounts. As well as their peers who are still striving for perfection to achieve their why. I have a wife and four kids. Failure is not an option. Real sales professionals. Real stories. Real results. It's no different than being a professional baseball player. You can't be a one-trick pony. You have to be a five-tool player in order to succeed in this game. This is the Power Producers Podcast. Production redefined. Are you ready to feel the power? Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Power Producers Podcast, where we're refining and redefining the sales game. Today, we have an extra special guest, Mr. Angel Rojas, who's the owner and president of Datacore here in Tampa, Florida. And he is the guy that handles all of the managed services for Florida Risk Partners, which is the least important important role that he has, probably. So I want to get started quick, Angel, by number one, thanking you for coming on. But number two, I want, I want you to give a little bit about your background because it is extremely robust and you have a lot of things that point to the fact you're an authority on cybersecurity and managed services. So I want you to set the table that way. Then we're going to dive in and talk about what's going on in the marketplace right now. Sure. So uh, I got my uh, my professional chops in in uh, in this industry, in your industry, actually. So uh, I started with, uh, it used to be uh, uh, Davis Baldwin Insurance and Risk Management, which uh, I know you have some history with, uh, David. And uh, yeah, so we cut our in teeth the, uh, in the same place in the insurance industry. That's right. That's Different right. times, so, though. Back in the in the late '90s, uh, it was uh, it was the heyday of uh, of Davis Baldwin, and uh, I joined them as a network administrator. And uh, later on, they were acquired by a bank, and so uh, so I went from from insurance to getting some of the paranoia from banking. Uh, so when I uh, when I left my tenure there, uh, I was just naturally paranoid about everything, and uh, and it was wonderful. I've got paranoid about money, paranoid about risk. Uh, so uh, it seemed natural for me to to start an, an IT company that was uh, going to take a risk management approach to IT and really look for you know what's the risk, how do we mitigate it, how do we keep things from happening, uh, and, and you know in, in some cases we got to balance that with a budget. So how much risk are you willing to take? And uh, so that was back in 2003 when I started. Uh, I, I uh, had a few years where uh, as we grew, uh, everything started getting more complicated. Uh, then I had to, to get insurance for my own business, right? Cyber insurance. And so uh, so that was interesting to see it from that perspective, the, uh, the perspective of a consumer of insurance products. Uh, over the years, I also got involved with uh, the FBI, uh, the FBI InfraGuard group uh, here locally, which is basically a, a joint partnership between the FBI and the private sector to share information about threats. Uh, and to collaborate in, in, in protecting critical infrastructure. So we serve uh, 16 critical infrastructure sectors and uh, um, ended up in leadership there on the board. Uh, also got involved with the uh, Electronic Crimes Task Force with the Secret Service. So uh, I, I have a lot of great experience and value uh, that I bring to the table. Uh, and you and just a lot validated just... exactly what I said. Representing <laughs> Florida Risk Partners is the least important thing <laughs> yes. that you just mentioned. Oh, no, no, no. But we're happy no, to no, have it's... you, man. We're happy to have you for sure. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. No, it's, it, it, I take every one of my clients uh, very seriously. And, and to me, it's the most important thing I do is to, to help you see around the corners. You're focused on what you do. You're focused on serving your clients. So I focus on helping you see uh, what's around the corners with your technology and also to, to see where else I can add value, like you know, being on the podcast and helping you uh, share uh, some of the cyber uh, perspective on insurance. 
Yeah, absolutely, man. So, I mean, we just got through your renewal, which I was ecstatic with, honestly, um, especially based off of what the market bore as far as uh, competing quotes and things. Um, But man, you know, managed services providers are really a brutal class to deal with right now. And I think that there's a, there's a, a couple things that compound the problem. Number one, and I'm not necessarily saying this about you, but I think that uh, managed services providers as a whole just they don't see that they're vulnerable, man. They Are think you talking about in regards to like GL and and, and cyber specifically? Yeah. Or? Well, cyber yeah. and professional liability and all yeah. of that, right? Like we we had a prior group that represented us that owned their own data center, and I found out after I signed the contract they'd been hacked like two or three times in their own data center. So I asked him to review the their best. cyber. Yeah, ask them to review their cyber policy, and they weren't willing. Oh, to I was put there that, at that. I was at that meeting. Yeah. I remember that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and I'm just like, wow, what did I get myself into? And I mean, uh, then you and I started talking shortly after that. And you know, I I just it's interesting to me that number one, you have these people that own these managed services providers that really aren't willing to accept the fact that they are a gateway to a whole lot of other businesses, which makes them one of the most (laughs) attractive people for hackers or whoever to get into because you can kill so many birds with the, the one shot, right? But it's compounded by the fact that we have in our industry a bunch of insurance agents who think they know cyber and think they understand it and they think they understand the professional liability and all that goes with it. And as a result, you know, they're go, they're going and selling like a basic business Ad, owner's add-on. policy yeah. with a cyber add-on endorsement, which isn't worth the paper that it's written on, right? And so I think it's a compounded problem. And, and what that's led to is a couple things. Number one, the market, you know, truly has been severely underpriced. Like if I look at the risk, if I look at the actuarial data over the years, it has been severely underpriced on the premium side. And now the carriers are starting to have a ton of claims roll in and they're going to have to price correct. And they're doing it with just like one stroke of the pen. Boom. Right. But the other thing is COVID has completely changed the landscape of how people do business. And it's made the exposure way worse than it was, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, look at what you do for us, man. We flipped a switch and we were remote. It was that quick, you know? And that's a testament to how you guys came in and set everything up. But Mm -hmm. even then, it was easy for us to do, but you identified this probably still isn't the best way for you to be. We need to do this, this, and this. And yeah, I'm on board. And so as of last Friday, we finished the last migration to get us into a position where we're even better. And I think it's important, man, because one of the thi- one of the reasons why I like doing business with you guys, number one, is you're extremely responsive. And I hope that anybody out there listening to this that's got a horrible managed services provider or no managed services provider will take advantage of, you know, reaching out to Angel at the end of this. But number two, you know, we can have a conversation and there's education involved to where we understand what's going on. And, you know, you'll remember this, man, when you came in, you were beating around the bush because you didn't want to tell me I was going to have to pay more money to use you. And I gave you zero pushback on that. Right. I had no problem paying more. And I think that when, you know, that's how I sell is I sell on value. And so I tend to buy on value as well. I'm never going to necessarily go with the cheapest, I'm going to go with what's convenient and what is ultimately going to be the best solution to my problem. So, you know, that's how we ended up hooking up, you know, and then in the meantime, we've had a, had some success trying to educate the business community as best we can through lunch and learns and different things that we've done together. So, you know, I'm just interested in you sharing your thoughts with everybody as you do so well when we do those educational, you know, lunches, luncheons for people. Just talk about what you see right now, man. I'm going to shut up and let you have it. You know, just just roll with it and talk about what you're seeing out in the marketplace right now from the managed services provider side and some of the things business owners really need to be paying attention to because the fact is we got a lot of business owners that are insurance agency owners that listen to this podcast and we got we got personally identifiable information. I mean, we got some stuff, man. Mm-hmm. We got some stuff that people got want. A lot of treasure. Yeah. 
and I don't, you know, I don't think that I can confidently say my peer group has addressed that as well as they should. Yeah, uh, what what I'm seeing is uh, just a. I think we're having a societal shift, right? Uh, COVID caused a lot of people to start looking a little bit more internally into their infrastructure, into their systems. You know, yeah, we flipped the switch. We went uh, work from home very quickly. Uh, it seems like in, in a matter of maybe four or five days, we threw away every security best practice, right? And everybody just <laughs> went home, grab whatever computer you can find. I don't care how many viruses are on it. Just get on and start working. Uh, and so right now, uh, what we're seeing is we're seeing an overall kind of a cleanup, right? Uh, let's take all the sins that we committed last year and let's just accept the fact that we committed them and then let's just start cleaning up all the mess that, that's left behind. And uh, as we're seeing some of that, uh, now we're getting in the news, uh, a lot of ransomware attacks. And, mm -hmm. and ransomware, by the way, isn't the only thing out there, but it's, uh, it's one of the most popular. It's uh, very easy to launch a ransomware attack, and it causes a whole heck of a lot of damage really, really quickly, especially if most businesses are unprepared for it, which sadly still is the case. A lot of businesses are very unprepared for it. So... Uh, like you said, David, you know, uh, the, the prior provider you had got hit with a couple of those ransomware attacks. And uh, it, it's, it's key to note that in my industry, um, I, I, I don't understand why there's so much ego, why there's so little lack uh, of cooperation, or there's so much lack of cooperation. Uh, but uh, it, it just seems like everybody wants to guard their territory, right? Everybody wants to, nobody wants to share what they're doing and, and their best practices. Everybody's just kind of guarding their territory. Uh, I've noticed that even here locally, just uh, people don't don't share. If you go up to like the Northeast and, and, and other areas of the country, you see MSPs getting together regularly, but it doesn't happen here uh, in town. And, and what that leads to is just uh, this, I guess, tunnel vision, right? And mix that in with the fact that most MSPs are, are owner operated, right? So the owner has to be in the business, working in the business. They never get a chance to kind of get above that and start to work on the business, uh, which is one of the key differences I, I, I've done here is I, I've taken the time to say, okay, I cannot work tickets. I cannot do these things because if I do these things, I will never advance the business to the next level. Once I made those decisions and the next logical step was hire even better people than I had, uh, hire people that can, can handle my type of workload, which is complex, and then go and work at the things that will make DataCore better. So when we look at those things, they come down to some basics, actually, that, that really apply to any business. And uh, on June 2nd, the White House issued a memo. I got a copy of it right here. Hey, I got a and copy it of it, was, too, man. Yeah, yeah. Somebody sent it to you, right? Where's, yeah, where's exactly. my copy? I took care of it, man. I control everything here. <laughs> and and basically they came down with five best practices so it came down to five best practices they're still basic so it gets way more complex than five best practices but uh they're basic practices that if every business would implement them they would they would go night and day difference uh in protecting what they have and this goes back to cyber right we look at those applications and the applications are getting harder and harder to fill out in a way that an underwriter is going to be happy with so we went through the application this year, and then you, you said, you know what, that one's not going to work. Let's try again, get a different quote, so let's do this other application. I filled it out. I was like, holy crap, these questions are good. You know, these questions are going to- Yeah, they're finally are, are figuring gonna, it out, man. They're finally right. figuring it out. Right. So uh, so those questions were getting very targeted. You know, are you using endpoint detection and and, uh, and response and things like that, that that really makes sense. But let's talk about just basic stuff, right? The first point the White House made is back up your data with system images, configurations, and regularly test the backups and then keep them offline. Will you believe that people are still not doing that? They don't want to invest the money in just a simple backup that is multi-tiered and also separated from each other. We call it air gapping, right? Where where you the buckets can maybe only go one way, right? One bucket can't push back a change up the chain. And uh, uh, that, that very simple action of encrypting the backup, air gapping it, having it stored in multiple places, people still don't do it. So I, I don't... Uh, you know, we, we do that as standard with, with every client. We, we just make it mandatory. We have a standard list of things that we do that we just say, look, if you're looking for a lower price, I can't change this because this is what we do and what we are. 
okay? If you're looking for a better price, maybe we're not the best fit because we're just not going to lower our standard. There's nothing I can take out. It's like when I asked you, you know, to, to quote me a, a policy, I, I didn't ask you, hey, well, what can you take out to make it, you know, right. make it less costly? It's like, no, no. We talked about the, uh, the response, right? We need, when, when you have a cyber event, Timing is is critical. I mean, everything has to happen lightning fast. So in the past, with these policies, they were treated like regular insurance policies where you got to go through with the adjuster, make all these phone calls and everything. They finally wised up and said, hey, we need a 24-hour hotline with technical people ready that you can call and you can fire that off right away. And so, uh, you know, these policies are getting better and better for that and, and are starting to support some of this Uh the, uh, it, which in fact, point number three on there, I'll just skip to that one. Test your incident response plan. That implies you have one, right? Most businesses don't have an incident response plan. And the reason they don't have it is because it's not easy to write. It is an exercise that involves you taking time out of your desk, go into a conference room, get get outside of your normal environment, maybe get a few people that, that you, you trust, uh, possibly involve an attorney. And what I like to do is I love to co collaborate and do it with several businesses in the same room. And then we bring all of our expertise together and knock out all of our incident response plans in, in one fell swoop. Uh, so that incident response plan needs to include insurance, right? Legal, any kind of response, forensics, all of that. And it needs to be written so that it's in, in, in a step-by-step -step format. Do this, do that. If this is yes, then we do this. If this is no, then we do that. Because there's a critical thing that we have to determine. The very first thing we have to determine is, did any data leave the network? If data left the network, we've got, this turns into a completely different type of, of incident. It turns into a cybersecurity event, right, uh, from just an incident. And, and now so there's a whole other point, set of rules about who you have to notify, how long yep. you have to notify them and everything else. And, and before you go on, I think it's interesting that the White House put that memo out because I can see the writing on the wall, man. They're laying the groundwork to make this a required thing, right? This is going to be yep. legislated at some point. It's already happening at the state level up in New York and some other places. But, you know, cyber to, cyber is probably, in my opinion, the single largest exposure that any business has. And the reason why is not necessarily because uh, it's easy for people to get in, even though that it is. It's the one that most people just like, nah, it's not that big of a deal. I'm not that worried about it, you know. Yeah, it's or, or they think it, Or they think it'll never happen to me. And that, that's what yep. I'm saying. It's, it's a gaping hole. They just don't understand the businesses. ramifications and how big of an impact it can have on their organization. Like, what the fallout from an event like this would be. Yeah. So we had a client uh, a few years ago that got hit by a ransomware event and we had them back up and running in an hour. And he came up to me uh, later that day and he said, Angel, I got, I got to tell you, I've been cranky about paying your bill for several years, but now that I see what you guys actually do, I'm not cranky anymore. I know what I'm paying you for. Mm -hmm. And so that's the difference between being prepared and not being prepared. And essentially, that's what all these tips and that's what having, you know, proper policy and going through this whole uh, motion, that's, that's what it's about. It's about being prepared because it's not if you're going to get hit. It's about when you're going to get hit. Absolutely. And I mean, one of the things we had a guy on that's an underwriter for cyber insurance specifically a couple like I think the episode dropped last week and I was listening to it again. And even the people that have cyber policies out there need to realize you, you need to know like how your policies written, you know, does it, does it have all of the correct language in it? How are claims going to be handled? Um, you know, is the carrier going to pay on behalf of you or are they going to reimburse you? Right. And mm. if they're going to reimburse you, Talk to me about the Bitcoin you're holding on to to make sure you have the ability to pay a, a ransomware claim, you know, in, internally. And I mean, it's a big deal, right? So I think that producers miss the boat sometimes. You know, we, we laugh and joke about being insurance nerds or insurance geeks. But at the end of the day, this is one of those places you have to be, man. Every one of these policies with every single carrier is structured completely differently. And that's one of the reasons why I like using ProWriters because – they give us like seven different carrier options with the summaries of who has what and all of that. And it makes it easy to, to do it from a snapshot. But, you know, cyber insurance is not something that you're just going to learn overnight. Number one, because by the time you learned it, what you just learned is already out of date. You know, number two, um, you know, 
you have to just go through baptism by fire. You have to learn through experience. And the only way you can do that is by talking to clients about it and prospects and getting applications filled out, submitting them to underwriters, and then having the conversations with the underwriters so that they can explain to you what it is that, you know, that they're trying to accomplish. They tell you, here's what we have here. Here's what we have here. This is why this is important. This is why this is important and all of that. And it ends up being, you know, very valuable from an educational standpoint, just having those conversations every single time you put a risk in. Problem is, we're I'm in an industry that's inclined to be lazy, and they want to send everything off and have numbers regurgitated and come back and tell you, you know, um, here's what the price is, and they have no clue what they're selling, man. <laughs> they don't have any idea at all. Well, don't feel bad about your industry because in mine, what ends up happening is we get sold cybersecurity in a box, right? Go sell this widget and now you've, you're compliant. Now, the, the, the problem is, is that to actually be compliant, to actually protect, you have to go through an entire process. Uh, the National Institutes of Standards and Technology calls that process the cybersecurity framework. Okay. And it's a five step process. I don't know why everything's five steps, but uh, it's a five step process where you identify the risk. Uh, you, you know, you, you define it, you shape it, uh, then you begin to protect from it. And it's a cycle, right? You go through the cycle and few people are willing to sit down and go through that entire process to shape it, write the plans, write policies and procedures around it. And I don't blame folks. I mean, it's, it is hard to do. It is hard work. Uh, you know, I'm, I've told you about, you know, I'm, I'm working hard to try to find a way to do this inexpensively for small businesses to bring this protection to them. Uh, because getting those, those, that doc documentation and you can see it in, in the applications right it's they're starting to ask do you have these plans in place do you have these incident response plans in place do you have these security policies and procedures it's starting to come the next step is going to be okay fine attach it to the application right well and that's the whole thing man because what most people don't realize is those applications themselves become a material part of the policy in most cases and if you answered that you have this and an event happens <laughs> and you didn't have that you're going to get your claim denied for material yeah. misrepresentation on the on the app yeah i've had a a client who uh, uh who's a, a medical clinic and they had uh, a, they had a complaint from a patient that turned into a HIPAA situation because they didn't fulfill the complaint quickly enough, and so the Office of Civil Rights called them and said, "Hey, well, we want to see your policies and procedures and everything." And she was going to send them a single page piece of paper. She would have been done right then and there. Yeah, the That's government the doesn't do anything on one page, man. That. Yeah, she was going to fax them one one piece of paper, and uh, I said, you need to call somebody before you fax that piece of paper. Here, call this person, and, and y'all work it out. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. No kidding. Well, so what are some things that are low-hanging fruit, man? I mean, if I'm a business owner or I'm an agency principal and I haven't taken the first step, like what are some things I could knock out relatively easily without number one, breaking the bank. And, and that, I mean, I, that's a relative term too, because I don't have, I'll never be grumpy or, you know, grouchy about writing your check that, you know, I'll, I'll do that happily every time. Um, I can't say the same for my peer group. They don't necessarily understand, you know, and it, it's true, man. I mean, a lot of agents are cheap out there and they want to mm -hmm. cobble together something on their own and they don't understand the true role uh, as to what an MSP does. So just talk a little bit about some of the low hanging fruit that pretty much any business can handle. And then talk to them a little bit about how they can identify that they really, they need somebody to do it for them. They need help. Cause to me, I can sure. tell you, it's real simple. I already said we're in an industry that's inclined to be lazy. I could probably take the time to go to school and learn all of this stuff and do it myself. I don't want to. Right. I want to be able to pick up the phone or shoot an email over or go and put in a ticket on your website. Say, this is what we're dealing with today. I need you guys to fix it. And I'll pay a monthly fee in order for that to happen. Part of the reason why people is because I know how much my own time is worth. I've quantified what my hourly rate is, and it's not dealing with troubleshooting IT that I'm not the best equipped to do. And we get so caught up in doing these stupid tasks that we have no qualifications for because we think we're going to save a buck or we're going to make it better. And in many cases, we make it worse and we waste time that we could have been spending doing revenue uh, bearing activity. That's why I use a managed services provider, but I mean... Tell them everything else I didn't.
<laughs> well, the first thing is if, if you decide to go at this on your own, you, you're already at a disadvantage. Uh, the reason is, one, you're busy. It's not what you do every day. And, and two, a lot of times you just don't know what you don't know. And uh, so the lowest hanging fruit that I think you can you can first check off the box is to, to find somebody that can help walk you through the process. Uh, whenever we do these for, for clients, sometimes the, the, this process can take a year or two years or even longer, depending on how complex the situation is. And it always starts in the same place. We have to do a risk assessment. We have to find out where you're vulnerable, where your risks are, and then we have to make a list of what we can check off right away, what we can fix right away, quickly, cheaply, effectively. Fix it, and then we get to work on the harder stuff. So some of the easy stuff that we can fix right off the bat are let's check your passwords. Are they out in the dark web? Are they strong? How is your authentication happening? Are you using multi-factor authentication? Uh, are you backed up? Uh, we talked about backups earlier. Are you backed up? Are you using antivirus? Is it updated? Are your systems patched? Which a lot of these things are, are again, covered in the memo. Uh, are your systems patched? Uh, then we look at your network. How's your network structured? Uh, is, does your network have, you know, are you, are you sharing uh, Wi-Fi with every guest that comes in the door and are they able to connect to your network too? Uh, or are your, are your networks, it's called segmented. So do we have your servers in one place? Do we have your desktops in another? Do you have uh, your guests connecting to another? Are we using uh, strong wireless passwords and wireless security? So there's, there's a lot of low-hanging fruit there that can be done, but we don't know what's a low-hanging fruit until we go through and do a risk assessment where we answer those hard questions, right? Uh, there's lots of great tools out there to do self-risk assessments. The uh, uh, I think the feds have one called uh, CSF. Uh, I'll have to look. Uh, the NIST CSF tool where um, you can go in and do a, a self-risk assessment. Uh, if you do it by yourself, you may have the answer to some of the questions. You may not. That's why it's great to team up with somebody that's done this before, that does this for a living and knows how to answer those questions and knows how to find the answers to those questions. Sometimes you have to dig through the network and uh, and find those answers. But at the end of the day, the, the very first thing you need to do is you need to perform that risk assessment and decide that you've got a problem. If you don't know that you don't have the problem, you have the problem. That That's just non-negotiable. Um, I ask people, you know, everybody uh, has, you know, their process for assessing clients and assessing prospects. I've got one question with whenever I'm dealing with a regulatory uh, situation, and that is, you know, when's the last time you did your risk assessment? And if they shrug or they don't know, then they're not compliant. They're, they're nowhere near compliant. And chances are, if they're running a cyber policy, they it's a policy that probably won't pay out. And if it does, you're going to have to wrestle it out of the carrier. Yeah, I mean, again, it's you don't know what you don't know, right? I've been watching the news. I, I try to not watch too much news, but I have been entertained by this clown that's representing himself right now. I don't know if you've been following that. He allegedly, uh, and I say allegedly in a very sarcastic manner, um, killed his wife and one child and the other child witnessed it. And this guy is actually representing himself. And I happened to catch it on the news this morning. And it was absolutely epic. It is exactly what you would think it would be. But I mean, I don't, I, I just, I've never understood that, right? If, if I've got a problem with my heart, I'm not even going to go to my primary. I'm going to go to a cardiologist. I want the person who specializes in fixing my heart or diagnosing what's wrong with my heart to tell me that. If I have a legal issue, I'm going to go and I'm going to get the best attorney I can find. If I have an accounting issue, I'm going to go and find the best accountant that I can find. I don't understand why that falls off and why we want to take so much of this on to ourselves. I mean, I guess I do understand when we when we start our businesses, we have all of this pressure on us, financial and otherwise, and we think that we're saving money in you know, there's a point of inflection in every business where you realize I am the business owner. You know, I need to look at high level strategy. You just, I mean, you already referenced it at the beginning of the podcast. I just wish that, that there was a way for people who have had that experience and been through that themselves could be persuasive enough that the people who are going through it now would actually listen. Nothing frustrates me more than an agent, a young agent who says, how would you handle this? 
and I tell them exactly how to handle it. And then they don't. And then do they it. go do it their own way anyhow, fail miserably, I, and I then think... they come back and tell me they did it. I'm like, well, I, I gave you the answer, dude. I don't feel sorry for you now because you didn't listen to what I said. Not yeah. that all my answers are right, but at the end of the day, but it's like, why I got are you asking me for my yeah? yeah. <laughs> Let me send you a best. bill for my time that you wasted because that's all it was. was it's like a waste the person of my that time. asks for dating advice and then goes out and does the opposite and gets crushed again, and it's like, okay, thanks. But I think some of it though too is people just have to learn from going through it. But the unfortunate thing about this specific topic is you might not have a chance to <laughs> to learn from it and and fix it. You might be done. Yeah. And, and, you know, there, there's also a, a, an interesting point because we talked a lot about, you know, people's attitudes towards this. But let's take take this perspective, too. We're dealing if, if somebody has uh, an event like this, l- let's just call it what it is. It's a crime. Right. And we're dealing with a crime scene and we're dealing with a crime victim. So we can't be too hard on the person. However, we do have to take into account the fact that at some point they were told to lock the doors and they said, well, it's too hard to unlock the door. I'm not going to do it. Okay, at that point, it it kind of turns into negligence, right? And that's a scary term because it's a legal term. But it it turns into negligence. And if you look at the trend, uh, and if you look at some of the conversations happening, like on LinkedIn now, the trend is going towards holding executives and owners accountable for locking that door. So ignorance is no longer bliss when it comes to this topic. I think uh, people do themselves a big disservice by not even wanting to hear about the topic. And when you look at a lot of the regulatory frameworks, education and awareness are is one of the requirements in HIPAA and SOX, uh, PCI compliance, you name it, all of them have an education and an awareness uh, requirement in there. And it has to be regular because this stuff changes all the time. So uh, ignorance is no longer bliss. Uh, even even to the young guys that are just starting up, they're trying to save up a few pennies. Look, at least educate yourself about the risk and educate your teams about the risk. Take a moment to stop before clicking that email and that attachment and and send it in to somebody or, or, or ask somebody else to look at it. If you see somebody asking you for something over email and you're not expecting it, pick up the phone and call them. Don't call them in the number in the email. Call them at a number that you know is good for them. So, you know, just slow down a little bit. Be a little bit more paranoid. Uh, try to up up your suspicion a little bit. Be, behave like a risk manager, right? <laughs> uh, at the end of the day, we're, we're managing risk here. So we, we have to take a, a step back, slow down a little bit and, and not try to move as quickly. And, and understand that convenience may be sacrificed a little bit in this process. We have to understand that security isn't convenient. It's not convenient to lock your car because then you have to unlock it again, right? Same thing with arming your alarm. It's not convenient to arm it because then you got to go run to the pad with a bunch of groceries in your arms and disarm it. But we have to do these things because we care about it. And, uh, you know, you talk to the person that's been robbed and they'll spend whatever amount of money it takes to feel safe again in their own home. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's really what it comes down to is, you know, until until you've got something knocking on your door or something happens, you're not going to be moved to do something about it. And we have to get past that resignation that David talked about earlier where it's like, oh, it'll never happen to me. It it can. Yeah, that's a good point about slowing down and and just kind of analyzing things because i mean that that happened to us however long ago i don't know what it was a year and a half maybe two years ago i mean i was um i think everybody in the company got in got like a series of emails at you know it was um you know framed like it was coming from david asking us to go pick up a bunch of gift cards and it was like it was iTunes, weird too man. but huh? itunes gift cards yeah iTunes right gift cards amazon and, and right all that stuff too and it was like you know, if you weren't careful, which I, I wasn't, like I I pulled up to a stoplight. I was, you know, I saw my phone buzzing or whatever. I picked it up and I'm like, mm, what's going on here? And I, you know, I click on the email. I'm like, okay, like what, like what's he talking about? I mean, it was addressed to me. It was, it, it said, hey, Kyle, I need you to do this. You know, would you mind? It, it was just odd language and it was a little bit fishy. So I didn't really click on anything else in there. I asked him as soon as I got to the office, I'm like, yo, what's this all about? It's like, oh, too late we got hacked <laughs> like you know but that, that but you know that happens i think a lot where we're doing too many things at once especially working from home 
I mean, I, mm-hmm. you guys hear it, my kids screaming in the background, stuff going on. It's like, if you're not paying attention you're like, oh, okay, what's this? Click on it. Boom. You know, and, and you it's, everybody is susceptible to that and vulnerable. And I think we got to do a better job of, um, slowing down a bit. And, and it's not hard to craft those emails. I mean, look at, look at David, look at you. You guys are, are pretty high profile in your industry, right? So finding out information about you, learning how you write and learning your tone and writing is not hard. Mm-hmm. Somebody doing surveillance on you can, can pick it up and then send a, a very well-crafted email. Mm-hmm. I, in, in my industry, right, a lot of people that are in my position who are IT uh, MSP owners still have administrative rights over their network. So David will text me, you know, hey man, can you look at this real quick? And I'm like, no, <laughs> I can't look at it real quick because I have to go log on and then I have to go through layer upon layer to get through security. And it's actually faster if if I send them to one of my guys that's already signed on because I had all of my administrative access removed and I had layers of protection and layers of, of delay added because I'm also high profile in my industry. Mm-hmm. I'm doing podcasts and things like that and speaking. I don't want somebody to leverage me, you know, crack my account or something and now they've got administrative access to our tools and mm-hmm. things like that. So again, it's, it's about thinking completely completely different about how you do things. Understand that, you know, if you're doing podcasting, if you're high profile, then you have to prepare your team for somebody to try to leverage that and scam you. Uh, so, you know, it, yeah. it, it really is a complete different way to look at things. You got to look at it from uh, what is the risk of what I'm doing and how do I mitigate it? Yeah, that doesn't necessarily always mean you have to pay for something or buy something. Many times it's just a process or a procedure that needs to be put in place in your organization. Exactly. That's something free, right? You know, hey, we're, we're no longer going to move this quickly through this because what we want to do is just pick up the phone and call somebody and just verify and make sure that it's it. You know, we, we do a lot of our business via email uh, for our insurance stuff, right? But if there's something that just comes up that's not right, you know, Kim will pick up the phone and call me and say, hey, is this, is this for real? Is, are you sure? Y- yeah, that was me. That was me. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, if it wasn't, I'd say, no, that wasn't me. So again, picking up the phone, calling somebody, slowing things down, you know, taking the convenience factor and slowing it down a little bit, it can pay dividends, you know, for, for one company. And it ended up being close to $900,000 of payroll that, that was able to be stopped in transit because they acted quickly. So again, you have to act quickly. You have to, you know, when something happens, act quickly, but uh, when doing any, any kind of critical things like that, slow down a little bit, verify and uh, take a few extra steps. Yep. That's a good point. Agree. So, talk to me a little bit about um, your experience working with the FBI and the Secret Service. I'm uh, as, much, as much as you can. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not um, necessarily talking about give us the nitty gritty, but I mean, you've you've obviously learned a lot, you know, by being around those people. As have I, and I don't openly talk about some of those relationships on the air, but you know. Tell tell us kind of what that means. Like, why were you selected? What's your role in dealing with them? And how does that further advance, you know, things that are happening in the industry? So I get uh, what, what the neatest part about working with them is, is being able to get some of the threat intelligence that they get. So a lot of things you guys see in the news, I see it, you know, days, sometimes even a week before uh, they get seen. And it helps me to think, uh, I get a head start about thinking critically about how am I going to present this to clients? How am I going to prepare them for that? So that that's one of the neatest parts about it. it there's There's not a ton of glamour. Uh, because quite frankly, it's not that sexy in cybersecurity. Okay. It really, I mean, whenever we meet and have discussions, we talk about what, what is, uh, what, what is the way that people are getting exploited the most? And it always comes down to email and people not being aware and educated. So there's, there's not, uh, there's not a ton of, of glamour. Like, you know, you would say, oh yeah, you work with the FBI and secret service. So you do all sorts of secret things, but uh, it is great to hear their perspective on the crime, what they can, what they cannot do. Uh, and it's also uh, nice to hear their perspective on, on current trends uh, because, again, they're, they're on the front lines. They're seeing it happen in real time uh, and also having access to them. So whenever uh, something happens, I can call them and say, hey, 
Uh, what do you guys think of this? And if it's something that, that falls within the realm of what they do, they jump in real quick and, and can help a client, uh, one of my clients out very, very quickly if it's, uh, you know, especially involving money. So when, when you're dealing with money and when you're dealing with uh, uh, like a wire transfer that's gone bad, uh, the Secret Service has a lot of tools at their disposal, but they're only they're only available for a very short window of time before that money's gone. So having access to them is is very nice. I can I can speed that process along a little bit. Yeah, I think it's um, you know a lot of the things that I've heard from my connections have just been stories that I can use at the point of sale to talk to people that are in retail or otherwise. And one of the you know, I, I get it because I was in, in retail long enough, you know, back in the day, it wasn't cyber, it was cash, right? And, you know, they called them gypsies. People would come in in a band of like 10 people and they'd re they'd create a ruckus. Only and they'd, tears, gypsy. Yeah, they would uh, yank the store manager to the back of the store and they would isolate the office cashier and get them somewhere and they're creating a disturbance so that everybody's paying attention. The next thing you know, they broke into the office cleared out the safe and were gone before anybody realized what happened. That same thing is what's going on in a lot of stuff with cyber right now and specifically point of sale terminals where, you know, you might go into a place where it's got high volume, but, you know, doesn't have to be staffed by a lot of people and they can go in and they can, they can get the person on duty and have them help them find something in the back of the store while the next person slides in. And in 10 seconds, they can unplug uh, you know, uh, something from the back of the computer, put the filter in and then plug it back in and nobody know the difference. They, they would yep. capture all the data, payment information, whatever it is they want. And then a month later they come back and undo everything and you never even know how it happened, you know? Yep. And that's something that could happen to any business. And I mean, I liken it to some of the crazy like kidnapping videos that you see on Facebook or YouTube, right? Where you're, you're out with your kid and somebody distracts you and you turn around. And the next thing you know, the guy on a motorcycle has come by, scooped your kid up and is off down a side street before you even realize they're gone. We got to pay attention in our businesses, man, period. You know, and yeah, it, it, it blows my mind how easy it is for some of this stuff to happen. But, um, you know, I've, I've got a million of those examples that have been shared with me, uh, you know, through relatives and friends that are in law enforcement. And I always, you know, I always file that away and I use it when I'm talking to my clients who, who don't think they have a problem. I've got uh, friends that are uh, uh, pen testers, and uh, basically a pen tester tries to get into your business. They're, they're, they get hired by an executive to try to get into your business, and one of the favorite things they do is they'll have a thumb drive, right? And, uh, you know, it, it'll, it'll write, they'll put a label on it that says porn or something, and they'll just drop them in parking lots. <laughs> and as soon as you plug that thing in, it phones home, and... The, it, it's a treasure trove of information. And if, if they plug it into one of the corporate computers, they're in. They can get into that computer. <laughs> I mean, what a ridiculous so, but simple and effective way to do that. <laughs> like it, 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 like I said, it's not that sexy, right? It's some some of the stupidest and dumbest things that, people that, that are, are stupid, done. people are stupid, though. Well, you know, we're all, we're all naive. And, and would you notice, you know, would you notice an extra one of these hanging off the back of the computer? No, most people. People have the computer on the floor or they'll have it on the desk and they don't even pay attention to the back of it mm -hmm. and just plug it in and go right. and you're done. You can plug in a wireless one and then you've got a wireless network that goes right to that computer and you just go to town on it. It's crazy, man. So, um, yeah, it's all sorts of, uh, all sorts of things. They find devices like that. They have cool names. So the USB one's called the USB rubber ducky. <laughs> the, uh, the Wi-Fi one's called the, uh, wireless pineapple. Uh, so, uh, they've got, they've got all sorts of cool names that they use to, to try to get into networks, but whatever, here's the scary part, right? Whatever tools the good guys use, they're mm -hmm. the same tools the bad guys are using. The same techniques the good guys use, the bad guys are using. Uh, so, uh, and these things are, you know, you can go to amazon.com and probably pick up a USB rubber ducky right now. And it comes with a manual. Same thing with the pineapple. It comes Crazy, with a manual, man. right? And then you go on YouTube and you and you and you pull up a video on how how to how to program a USB rubber ducky. And I mean, in in a few minutes, you're you're off and away. So you've got you got high school kids now that could that control the parking lot there at David's office, and 
you know, all of a sudden somebody's in the network or, or doing something and it's just a high school kid trying to figure out, hey, you know, can I do this? Right. Well, like the kid that took out Twitter, man, that was from Tampa, right? That, yeah. that hacked into Twitter. But I mean, I'm proud of that guy. Well, listen, dude, here's the other thing, man. You can go on to Amazon right now and you can buy <laughs> credit card imprinting machines, right? Where you can yeah. make credit cards. And these guys are going on the dark web, getting your personal information and creating, Slapping you know, on clone, a credit card and, yeah, yeah. clone cards from it. It's it's nuts. Like, and, you know, that kid's getting great job offers, right? Oh, I'm sure he is, man. Like crazy, <laughs> like crazy. But I'm yeah, you know, it, it's funny because back in my day, the equivalent to that was when I knew a kid <sighs> who had broken into an elementary school after hours. He broke into Buckhorn Elementary. And he got one of the uh, principal's uh, walkie-talkies. Oh, okay. And they're all on the same frequency, apparently. So he came to school. I was at Burns, and he came to school the next day, and he told every, he was bragging to everybody about it. And so he pulled a bunch of people up, and they were huddled up in the bathroom, like in the top part of the um, uh, courtyard there at Burns, and he was he was calling the assistant principal to go all over the place. And we're like watching this assistant principal <laughs> run across the courtyard thinking he's going to go break up a fight or that somebody's having a medical emergency, which obviously it's not funny at all right now. But back then it was like absolutely hilarious. But I mean, again, it's the same thing, right? These people are doing this with our information. They're able to get it. And, and the thing is, you're not safe anywhere, man. I mean, my Florida Risk debit card was compromised twice in six months as part of the Wawa brand reach mm. um and, and i didn't use it at the gas pump right i knew i so i i go on an annual spring training trip with my childhood buddies and we go down to watch the rays on a friday afternoon and saturday uh afternoon game and we um we stopped at wawa there right there at the corner of lithia and bloomingdale uh before we left town and I didn't get gas. My buddy was driving. I went in and and got myself something to drink and probably a couple breakfast you, burrito. Couple of yuhus and yeah, and just some, crushing some a football sized breakfast burrito back in the day when I was allowed <laughs> to have those. But I went in and I used their point of sale machine. Right, didn't think anything of it. I get down to Port Charlotte and I've already got like fifteen hundred dollars in charges racked up in my card wow. from Fort Lauderdale, Pensacola, and someplace in Oklahoma. Mm. And I'm like, this is odd. Let me call the bank. So I did. They got it taken care of. And then several months later, the exact same thing happened. And I'm like, what is going on, man? I don't even use my gas card at the pump. I know not to use my gas card at the pump. Mm -hmm. I've only used it in inside at the point of sale. And sure enough, the news comes out. Wawa has this massive breach that had existed for almost an entire year. And this is the only time in history I've ever heard it affected 100% of their systems. Both the yeah. pumps, the inside, wow. everything. I don't know how they're still in business, man. And I mean, I'm not saying this to throw off on Wawa. I'm just, it, it was public information. They had a massive breach. So if they get their panties in a wad about it, how about invest in cybersecurity, Wawa? You Seriously, know, but. Bro. Well, it, and, and with that thought in mind, look at the target breach. Yeah. They had 300 IT people and they all got it wrong. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you know, when you're dealing with a bunch of bad guys, right? Um, the good guys have to get it right 100% of the time. The bad guys have to get lucky once. Right. And that's all But it does takes. this go back and, to your point earlier about in, in your industry, the um, lack of collaboration? Like, is that is that strictly, you think, just like an ego thing? Or like, I mean, what can, is there? Well, we have a fancy name for it, actually. Yeah. It's called security by obscurity. Okay. We don't talk about what we do. <laughs> Which to some extent is, uh, is necessary, but I mean, within the yeah. industry, you would think that there would be a little bit more collaboration. But. Um, yeah, it, it there should be more collaboration. Look, we're all on the same team, right? There, there's there's food for everybody to eat, um, and uh, we we really should get you know get on the uh, get in the room and and, and talk about it and, and talk about you know and and this isn't always easy right remember uh david the the issue with uh mail on your iphone where you you like all of a sudden your iphone wouldn't get any mail and you were driving and it took us a while to figure it out and it was that your phone was finding wireless networks and attaching yeah, yeah, to yeah. them and then it would get a certificate error right now what's crazy is that's the same mechanism that's used to hack uh hack a certificate or hack a secure connection with a wi-fi so, it, you know, it was it was basically turning off the, you know, attached to whatever network. 
But a lot of people don't have those things turned off. And that those are the things we should be talking about regularly. And, and it's all about convenience, right? Who doesn't want to lose connection anytime? So yeah, I'm going to turn my phone on to just connect to whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and so that's the stuff we should be talking about regularly and, and sharing. And, and, you know, even, even it gets more technical than that when you're, when you're bringing a bunch of MSPs into the room and talking about stuff. But unfortunately in my industry, it really, you know, I, I hate it that it's turned into a sales pitch essentially. Um, I, I, we, when the pandemic hit, you know, there was a, a vendor, uh, a local vendor, a uh, big software vendor that, that hosted a webinar on how to protect your clients online and how to get ahead of any of the risks. And so I was like, okay, cool. Let me attend. And it was a sales pitch. Now we're sitting here. We got about 300% more help desk traffic because everybody was going to work from home. And they're trying to sell us stuff. And and how how would it look if I told my clients, well, everything's going to cost more now. And clients are telling me, I just have to lay off 30% of my people because we have no business. Mm-hmm. Right? So, so everything can't be about a sales pitch, right? There's a time and a place for it. And I think when it comes to security, I think a lot of the vendors need to sharpen their pencil and say, look, yes, there's a great opportunity to make money here. Why don't we think about it in terms of volume, right? Let's get as many people protected as possible instead of trying to make all the money up front. I get it. We got we got investments to make and, and and we've got investments to recoup, but at the same time, this is a problem that affects everybody. So I, I think collaboration is the only way to do it. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. Well listen, man, we're coming up on the hour. I want to be respectful of your time. Um Tell them where to find you, dude. I'm sure there's going to be plenty of people that own agencies that want to find out. I mean, we got a huge listenership in our area alone, but Mm -hmm. tell them how to find you if they want to reach out and uh, ask questions. Uh, You can find me on my website, datacore.com. If you want to know a little bit more about me, uh, datacore.com forward slash angel. I'm on LinkedIn, uh, Angel Rojas on LinkedIn. And uh, really, those are the best best ways to find out about me. Um, you will and, not find uh, him on Facebook anymore. I can promise you that. No, I, I, I deleted my Facebook account. I was done uh, earlier this year. I was like, you know what? This is ridiculous. So uh, it was a time suck. And uh, uh, just uh, I don't I like to leave things on my own terms. And uh, I was getting a little bit spirited with my posting. And I was starting to get warnings from Mark Zuckerberg that my my post did not you know, respect community standards or something or other. So uh, I was like, you know what? I'm leaving on my own terms. And I deleted the whole thing. There you go. <laughs> you showed him, man. I bet, I bet he is just, oh, yeah. he's probably so mad. He was, he's probably just he now sleeping crushed. through the night over that one. <laughs> that's, that's right. He was crushed. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, listen, man, I appreciate you coming on. It's been good conversation as always. And, uh, you know, now that Thank things you. are opening and back up, we need to ramp up again and do our events. I'm, I'm, Heck yeah. I'm ready to we roll. We still have a, uh, we still have credit here at Livio's to do one. There we go. That sounds good, man. Get it on the books. I'm ready. Awesome. Cool. Let's do it. All right, brother. Thanks a lot. You've been listening to the Power Producers Podcast. You can follow Killing Commercial Insurance on Facebook and YouTube. And if you want to take your game to the next level, next level, check out our book, The Extra Two Minutes, and our website, killingcommercial.com. 